Your Honor, the defendant was caught with the stolen goods in his hands. Well, he probably needed them. Not guilty. Next. I confess, Your Honor, I killed my boss. Well, we all make mistakes. Not guilty. Next. Many people think God will overlook their sin because he's good. Not guilty. Next. What's with this judge? He's letting everybody go. Oh, he's just a very loving man. Yeah, I did it, so. Not guilty. Next. But what about the victims? This is wrong. Well, the judge is just a very good, forgiving person. If he doesn't convict people, then he's saying it's okay to break the law. That makes him evil. The thing some people hope will save them on Judgment Day is the very thing that will condemn them. God's goodness. But God has provided a way to escape eternal punishment. Jesus died to pay the penalty of our sin. How will you face judgment, with or without Jesus? Everybody thinks they're going to heaven in our country. Do you know that? It's a terrible concept. Let me show you just some basic thoughts here. A factoid that I have. The factoid says that 84% of adults in the U.S. claim to be Christians. This is by polling people. That's a lot of people. Now, only 38% have confessed their sins and accepted Christ as their Savior. Now, that's interesting. While 99% of America claim they will not go to hell after they die. Now, that's a huge claim with no facts. Great tolerance. We're all going to heaven, and no one, nothing's wrong, but yet that's because the church has been silenced to say there's something major going on or there's something wrong. Now... Let's look at John 15 for a moment. If you look at John 15, I want you to see the importance of God's word through the the words of Jesus. Now, remember John 15? We looked at this a number of times over the time when we looked at harvest. Remember John 15 is talking about, I am the vine and you are the branches and so forth. Jesus spent a lot of time talking about unity. But you must understand what unity is. Unity had to do with his disciples, his true followers, Sticking together, following after the kingdom of God, chasing, chasing to do his will, to call sinners to repentance. When you add all that, there's not a unity with a lot of other people. He's talking about a small band of true followers that unity is there. And here's why. Look at what he said in verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet... Because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, see, that doesn't make sense. We keep saying tolerance, everything's wonderful in our country, but that's not true, is it? When it gets down to the bottom line, what is hated is Christ. What is hated is still Christians who truly stand up. And they change the words. See, they don't like to say that they're intolerant. So they've called the true believers those fundamentalists. It makes it sound like the Islamic bombers. It makes it sound like the extremists. And they think that way. I've read it. It may sound funny, but that's exact. They look at people like you and me in this Baptist church as fundamentalists who would be the kind that would go burn down um, clinics that do abortion, that we would shoot doctors. They have put us in a picture that's false. It's a lie. It's a myth. But with that, they were able to decipher that they don't have to hear Jesus or hear anything about him anymore, and they've shoved him out of the way. Okay? So when you say, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before that, know that Jesus didn't walk around and everybody patted him on the back. He was not 
popular with the leadership or the politicians or the government of Israel. The whole religious system hated his guts. The only popularity he had was with those poor people that were overwhelmed by all the hypocrites because they always cursed and yelled at the whores and the tax collectors and those kind of people. And Jesus comes along and gives them life, offers them forgiveness, shows them mercy, offers them healing from their diseases where the other people put them out of society. He went out and touched them and healed them. He offered hope to the downtrodden, and they're the ones who loved him. But the average guy, the, no, the normal people of culture, hated him. And the pressure was to hate him. That's why, remember in John 3, Nicodemus, he snuck at night to see him because his friends said, Jesus is a whack-out. We have nothing to do with him. He's got demons. He's an occultist. He does all these weird things with magic. He is somebody to be hated and removed from our culture. So he wasn't loved he was not popular in that sense. you got two things going at the same time. Be careful you don't miss the real Jesus because he was hated. And with that hatred, we get hated. Whether we like it or not, Baptists are hated. Get over it because they hated Jesus. He already told us they're going to hate us. So you're not going to make everybody happy. You're going to say, hi, I love Jesus, and they're going to say, get out of my face. Some will do it. But God, remember brings harvest. Sometimes he touches their hearts and opens them up to hear. And when the seed is planted, instead of saying, get out of my face, some say, give me more. Because God has to do a miracle. That's why we say it's spiritually discerned. It's got to be miraculous before it happens. Make sense? Now, let me give you some thoughts here. When the world has a favorable opinion of Jesus, then the only thing you can conclude is they misunderstand him. They misinterpreted him. He is a Jesus that they've invented in their mind. It's not the Jesus that's real. Because as soon as they hear about him saying they're sinners, as soon as he says they're not good people but spiritually criminal, as soon as he says the only way to heaven is if they stop doing what they do, they don't like that Jesus. They like the Jesus that's like the grandpa. Everything's cool. Everything's wonderful. Just come on and join the party. Everything's cool. We're all going to heaven. The one group that says, 99% of America says, we're going to heaven. That's the party Jesus. It's just not the real one. See, the real one they don't like. They hate that one. Now, the better the world understands the purpose of Jesus, then, the more it begins to hate him. That's why they can kind of divide themselves. If they say it's just the you fundamentalist weirdo Baptists that say that, see, then they can still have their Jesus, and then they can reject your Jesus. The problem is, what's the real Jesus? You can't invent a Jesus. He's either who he is or he's not. It's not 25 Jesuses that you can invent to make it satisfying to your own heart. Now, what the world values, Christ hates, he despises. That's what the Bible, if you read it, that's what it says. What Christ loves, the world hates. Therefore, there's got to be conflict here. There's got to be. And F.B. Meyer was a well-known teacher from the last century. He said, between such opposites as the church and the world, there cannot be but antagonism and strife. But we don't want strife. We don't want conflict. We want the community to like us. We don't want them to feel resistant to us. We want things to be going smooth, right? And that's where the new teaching of many churches is felt needs. 
Well, what we'll do is we won't talk about those things. We'll have sermons that tell them how to raise their children. We'll have sermons on how to get along with one another as husband and wife. We'll tell them about all wonderful little things about... And we hope that as they keep hanging out in church, they'll let us talk to them more about that they're going to go to hell and they need to repent. But see, the problem is with that whole mentality, that's that whole tolerance concept. Now, and even churches build... They, they even tell you in a lot of these books... You don't start with Christians. They're too much of a roadblock. What you do to have a real church, you do a bunch of stuff that makes a bunch of worldly people like it and come in and sing songs and have fun. And then after a long time period, when you get friends with them, some of them will become Christians. So your church is based and built on sinners. That's like having a baseball team and then you have a bunch of uh, five-year-olds that are girls and you're going to play against the New York Yankees. It won't work. It's, the girls are cute but they're not professional baseball players. They won't make it. You, that's a stupid, foolish mentality of what they're doing here. You cannot have a church unless it's a church, and that church defined as born-again believers. Otherwise, it's not a church. You can have an outreach organization, if you want to call it, a friendship outreach program, and you've got a bunch of people. But as soon as you call it a church, you're lying to the people, you're lying to the community, and you wonder why the church is full of sinners, because they are. And the church is even now preaching to do it that way. Fill yourself up with sinners and just have sinners. Well, that's sad, because, but it works. People come. Money flows. Noses are counted. That group has 50 new people this week. More money flowed in. The preacher makes money. Everything's wonderful. But God says it's not. Jesus always taught in the Bible from the beginning to the end to his disciples or whatever to preach, repent, be born again, and then come and join us. Never the other way around. It's backwards. Now, a couple more things in our time. I've got a few more minutes. Opinion polls have proved the church is full of worldly believers, full of the same sins, divorce, um, immorality, pornography, risky entertainment, materialism, apathy to what others believe or do in life. That's no question. But that's what Scripture, Jesus said, well, if that happens, we've salt like salt, we've lost our flavor. We've lost the taste. It's all whitewashed. And it's like light. It's not there. If you fill it full of darkness, there is no light. Then you've got nothing more than smoke and fog, but no light. And so we have the very issues that Christ warned us. Now, generations ago, back when I was a kid, and earlier through the turn of the century, up through just not too long ago, Actually, in the 20s when things started to change, and then it kind of held through. We had an old-fashioned Baptist church I was raised in, so they still held to these old views, supposedly. Now, generations ago, preachers preached biblical, what's called biblical separation. Sermons on, thou shall not drink, thou shall not chew, thou shall not dance, and thou shall not do it with the whoever too, you know. And those are negative thoughts, negative sermons, and negative ideas, because it's always the thou shall not. People didn't like it. They got tired of hearing those, those calls to separate and, and please God and, and have convictions and hold different values. And in large part, the community, the generation, flip-flopped to the next generation of my generation, and they said, ah, too negative. I'm tired of those thou shalt not. I don't want to go to church that's got all these holier-than-thou ideas. I think I'll stop going to church. And my generation wholesale quit going to church. And it's the same generation that when I was in sixth grade, they threw Bible 
out of schools. They told them they couldn't pray any longer. My generation is the one who got cut off from the teachings of Scripture, got cut off from the truth, and my whole generation turned from God and started all the immoral acts that went on for the love generation and the drug generation and every other part of that because they just went crazy without any moral stability or reason to live. They went down and died and killed each other and all kinds of things came from that conclusion. Now, the new generation comes up and says, we tolerate all ideas and all forms inside the church. Quit judging your other people. I talked to the, the girl of all things. I talked to the girl from the telephone company, the telephone company. She called wanting to know if we wanted to buy ads for the church. Come to find out, the girl claims to be a Christian. But she was having a conflict with another girl from her church who constantly told her, you can't judge for your actions just because I'm not living with what I'm supposed to be doing, committing immoral, oh no, not immoral. It was constantly backbiting, attacking, and uh, stabbing people in the back in church condemning people behind their backs. It bothered her so severely that uh, she starts talking to me, Pastor, help me. So I'm here, I'm giving her counsel and, you know, things about the Word to help her through her stuff, you know, and she's supposed to be selling me ads and I'm teaching her the Bible instead. And, but the issue is everywhere you turn, it's the same thing. Constant involvement of worldliness and tolerance is there. I said, well, doesn't your pastor go to them or try to stop them or no one? No, nobody says anything. I I just can't. I'm I'm afraid to be around there anymore. I can't hardly take it. I said, you need to be loving and use discernment and go to her to her face and tell her to stop and show her the Bible. I'm a front-up guy, you know. That's what the Bible said. I mean, since all she's doing is hurting everybody and, and nobody seems to be caring to stop it, maybe you should do that. So I don't know if she ever followed my advice. Most people don't. But, hey, it was out of the Scripture, you know. But the issue was, it's even everywhere you turn, and it's tolerated. But Scripture says, do not tolerate that. I mean, Scripture says, you're to shut their mouths. You're to stop people like that. You're not to allow that. But our church says, no, 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 we let everything go. We don't stop anything. Now, many believe that we have no right to judge anyone's lifestyle. That comes from the world. And everybody in our communities have listened, so now it comes into the church because we have no standard. And... Live and let live is kind of the idea without question or rebuke or evaluate the new ideas of the modern American. We just let it flow. And Christian thinking absorbs that idea, so we've got all this new preaching today. It's not biblical. Why are you afraid to judge? In these days, the narrow road follower of Jesus must stand strong on God's word and make judgments grounded on his commands. It does not matter what the culture, media or political parties claim to be true. Do you remember this statement from the Bible? You make God tired with all your talk. How do we tire him out? You ask? By saying, God loves sinners and sin alike. God loves all. And also by saying, judgment? God's too nice to judge. Malachi 2.17 The Message Bible Well, no, God is actually too just to be silent. He condemns sin. It is time that real Christians become fearless and speak up in agreement with God, no matter the cost. God has already determined what is right and wrong, not anyone else, and we all will face his judgment seat. Would you like to know more? Find articles and videos at our website, narrowroadunderground.klptv.com or find all our resources at klptv.com.